Well, good morning, Harvest Church. My name is Pastor Matt, and I get the joy and privilege of opening God's Word with you today. We're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 8. We're in our sermon series called The the Seriousness of Sin. We started the series by looking in Isaiah through the holiness of God and, and how we have to understand holiness if we're ever going to take sin seriously. The last two weeks, we've been massively blessed by Marshall through the book of Jonah. His first sermon was discussing the need to, to burn the ships where we try to flee from God. His, his second sermon was talking about how our self-righteousness tries to hold grace hostage. And so today in Ezekiel, what we're going to be talking about is the danger of playing church. Again, we're going to be in Ezekiel chapter 8, but before we jump in, let's pray. God, as we look to your word right now, would we see the beauty, the value, and the worth? Would we see, even in difficult texts, your love and your grace and how you meet your children? So Lord, for this next little while, let us not see words on a page, but let us see water to drink from and live in. I pray in Christ's name, amen. All right, so we're going to go verse by verse through all of chapter 8, and we're just going to be breaking it down into sections and then discussing. So hey, let's look to the word, Ezekiel 8. In the sixth year, in the sixth month, on the fifth day of the month, As I sat in the house with the elders of Judah sitting before me, the hand of the Lord fell upon what appeared to be his waist was fire. And above his waist was was something like the appearance of brightness, like gleaming metal. He put on the form of a hand and and he took me by the lock of, of my head. And the spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me into visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the gateway of the court, of the inner court that faces north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there, like the vision that I saw in the valley. Pause. Ezekiel is being given a vision by God into Jerusalem, into the courts, and into the temple. The vision Ezekiel is is getting is going from from the outer parts of the temple and it's going deeper and deeper inwards as we go through all of chapter 8. In this third verse, Ezekiel is, is starting at the temple palace complex. So he's not at the center of the temple yet. And God is going to show Ezekiel how the hearts of his people, the hearts of his worshipers in his own temple have chosen sin and idolatry and worship of false gods over him. They might be present in the temple, but they are far from the Lord. Verse 3, when when it's discussing here, um, right in verse 3, we see this image of jealousy. It's referring to an image of a false god. And of this image of jealousy, the jealousy of God is, is now being brought up. Where the, temple of, where the temple is meant for worship of God alone, here there are images in worshiping of other gods in that area when it's supposed to be reserved for the Lord alone. Really, when, when you see this worship of false gods in the temple of the Lord, and this is going to be strong imagery, but I think it's accurate. It's the equivalent of having an affair on your spouse while they're in the bed. 
There's a reason why God refers to this as one of the four abominations in this chapter. Verse three alludes to their idolatry and sinful worship of other things than God. And verse comes in with, verse four has actually a really strange line right after it. And behold, the glory of the God of Israel was there. All this false worship is going on and the Lord is present. Ezekiel makes this statement purposefully. The sins they are committing while playing church are being played out in the presence of where the glory of the Lord is. It makes the fact of of what they're doing, it actually looks worse because they're sinning against the very God who is right there watching it. They're not trying to sneak it in. It's done right in front of where the glory of the Lord is. Let's look at verses five through six. Then he said to me, son of man, lift up your eyes now towards the north. So I lifted up my eyes towards the north and behold, north of the altar gate in the entrance was this image of jealousy. It's mentioned here again. And he said to me, son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary, but you will still see greater abominations. And so now Ezekiel's being moved from the gateway of the inner court that faces north. And and now he's being moved towards uh, uh, specifically here, north of the altar gate. And so really it's, it's kind of scoping in bit by bit what's going on. Ezekiel's being moved from the peripherals of the court, and now he's moving more towards the center of the temple. Here we see greater displays of idol worshiping that is going on in an area that's designed for the worship of Yahweh. As Ezekiel's vision is moving inwardly to the deeper parts of the temple, you start to see the second abomination again is mentioned here. It's a false worship. And they're being practiced now by people who have more authority and more responsibility. And so you start to see as he's going up the leadership channels in this vision, he's showing how false worship and sin is permeating the different levels. He's showing how much the heart of man has become steeped into a false worship while playing church. The hearts of man here have drifted into a stale religion of God with a flourishing religion of idolatry, all in God's own house. Look at verse six. Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary. What a devastating line. As Israel actively sins in the temple of the Lord, The Lord's spirit is being driven away from his own house. Understand, the temple is not a gift for the Lord. You ever read what's going on in his throne room? The temple is meant to be a gift for his people. God has his throne room established. God in his grace, he creates a place, the temple, for his spirit to reside so his people can have access to him. And here in Ezekiel's vision, we see how people have taken that gift and have grieved it to the point where they're doing a lot of religious stuff 
but at the cost of getting ready to lose the spirit in the presence of the Lord. No doubt, Ezekiel, as he's getting these visions, he would see this in bewilderment as he's given these visions from the Lord. And after watching these abominations named, the Lord ends again in verse six, but you will see still greater abominations. What a heavy line. Now let's look at verses seven through 13. Let's look at the word. And he brought me to the entrance of the court. And when I looked, behold, there was a hole in the wall. Then he said to me, son of man, dig in the wall. So I dug in the wall and behold, there was an entrance. And he said to me, go in and see the vile abominations that they're committing here. So I went in and I saw there engraved on the wall all around was every form of creeping things and loathsome beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel. And before them stood 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel with Jazaniah, the son of Saphon, standing among them. Each had a censer in his hand and the smoke of the cloud of incense went up. And then he said to me, son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark, each in his room of pictures, false idols? For they say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. He said also to me, you will see still greater abominations they commit. So let's break this down further. Ezekiel goes from the gateway of the inner court that faces north to north of the altar gate. And now he's at the entrance of the court. God is giving visions that are narrowing to the heart of the temple bit by bit. And he's basically giving Ezekiel a scoped and narrowing vision. And he's going to see things with 20-20 clarity. I guess we can't really use 2020 anymore. It has more of a negative connotation today than ever. <laughs> Verse 10, Ezekiel is seeing graven images on the walls of various beasts and idols found in the house of Israel. Here in this verse, in the temple of the Lord, they have artistically displayed a second commandment violation. These artistic idols on the wall used for false worship are wonderfully and artistically displaying how much foolishness and sin has penetrated the temple of the Lord. Let's look at verse 11. And before them stood 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel with Jazaniah, the son of Saphon, standing among them. Each had a censer in his hand and the smoke of the cloud of incense went up. Here we see just how steeped idolatry has entered the place that is designed for worship of the Lord. The key identified leaders of the house of Israel are in active worship services and ritual motions, and it's not to the Lord. They're carrying a censer in the smoke of incense, but not for God. The foolishness of the people has permeated to every level. And then here, it's talked about this Jazaniah, son of Saphon. And I was, I, was, I was just preparing for this message. I'm like, why, why does this guy get a plug? Why does this guy get, 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 get a name drop? It sounds random, and I could so easily skip past it, but it's not. This, this Jazaniah, he came from a lineage that not that long ago 
from the book of Jeremiah was used to drive out false gods and restore the temple of the Lord. And now that same lineage that was wonderfully used in Jeremiah, instead of worshiping the one true God while driving out the false gods that his family members did, this Jazaniah now is pushing out the one true God and welcoming the worship of false gods. Crazy how fast things turn. And God's response in verse 12 is a series of questions to Ezekiel. Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of the Lord are doing in the dark, each in his room of pictures? For they say, the Lord does not see us, and the Lord has forsaken the land. Look at what they're doing in the dark, each in their own room. God pushes not just to merely what they're doing. He is showing how far off their thoughts and affections have become. That their public worship is idolatrous. Their private rooms are idolatrous. And look at what they say. The Lord does not see us and the Lord has forsaken the land. Let's break down that statement for a second. The Lord does not see us and the Lord has forsaken us. So not only are they worshiping false gods in God's own house, they're now making indictments against the character and the work of the Lord. There's a lot of things from seminary I don't remember, but there's one line from a professor that he said and it instantly stuck out to me, and it's just this. It's not complex or, or profound, but it's very powerful. It's this. Sin makes you stupid. That as they're worshiping false gods in God's own house, they're now making indictments against the Lord. So they welcome and worship a false god in God's own house while simultaneously making indictments against God in God's own house. And God ends this by saying, you will still see greater abominations that they commit. And you're reading this and you're like, oh Jesus, one after another, after another. And it's when men and women do not take sin seriously and kill it in our lives, it becomes one after another, after another, after another. Let's look to verse 14. Then he brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord. And behold, there sat a woman weeping for Tammuz. Then he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? You will still see greater abominations than these. Here, this, this Ezekiel is watching this woman weep for this, for this Mesopotamian god of vegetation. It's fascinating how in each vision, everything that the Lord is showing Ezekiel, there's so much worship going on. Everyone is worshiping. Everyone is seeking. Everyone is crying out to anything and everything but the Lord. All the while, in the Lord's house. Go with me to verse 16 through 18. And he brought me into the inner court of the house of the Lord. And behold, at the entrance of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord and their faces towards the east, worshiping the sun towards the east. And then he said to me, have you seen this, O son of man? Is it too light a thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations that they commit here? 
that they should fill the land with violence and provoke me still further to anger. Behold, they put a branch to their nose. A lot of commentaries say about the branch to the nose, they, they just posture themselves in a position of derision. Verse 18, listen to the words of the Lord. Therefore, I will act in my wrath. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And although they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. Here in, in, in 16 through 18, it's the crescendo of the abominations. We've seen the abomination of the image of jealousy at the gateway of the inner court, which was kind of used by the king and the people. Here we've seen the abomination of the worship of animals, which was done by the elders of Israel. We see the abomination of weeping to a foreign Mesopotamian god. And now we've moved to the fourth and final abomination. And it's taking place at the inner court. We don't use this language, inner court. Understand, this is not a small inner court thing. The inner court is reserved for the highest level of priests, the Levites. And even there, sin has permeated. They are worshiping the sun god, which is a direct violation of Deuteronomy. Look at their body posture. Their back is against the temple of the Lord and they are facing and looking to the sun god. The highest level of priests have pushed and not looking to or gazing or calling on. They put their back to the very thing that they're set to worship and, and, and to follow through on and, and to seek after. And it's now they've put their back to that. And now they're actively looking to and worshiping the thing that is not the Lord. What a dangerous priest. The foolishness of people playing church at this time is their hearts, their desires, their actions. And the temple of the Lord is actively being used against the holy purpose it's actually designed for. It appears from random individuals mentioned to people of honorable lineages, to elders and to the highest level of priests. They've learned to play church in a building that is designed for something totally else. Verse 6 says the spirit of the Lord is being driven away from his temple. Verse 17 says now he's being provoked to anger and further anger. In verse 18, the Lord is saying, and I will act in my wrath. And it's interesting how God's response in verse 18 is, is actually a response um, that, that, that is used to address some of the allegations that the priests make. Therefore, I will act in my wrath. My eye will not spare, nor will I have any pity. And though they cry into my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. Verse 12, the priests say, he does not see and he's forsaken us. And in verse 18, the Lord is saying, I have seen it all and I'm about to move. God gives this prophetic warning. You will finally cry out to me. You will. And because of the seriousness of your sin left unchecked, 
When you finally cry out to me, I will not hear you. Fascinating how much of them are playing church, doing worship services, misusing the temple in ways opposite of what is designed. How can they do that to God's building? How can they be so foolish? It's fascinating thought that God will act out on his wrath in the book of Ezekiel. If you go farther than verse 8, you're going to see the Lord acts perfectly in his wrath against his own people. It's fascinating also, though, that his love for his people would allow him to take his wrath out on his people through his son on a cross years later. Make no mistake, like Ezekiel's audience at the time, God has acted out simultaneously in holy love and holy wrath because of the seriousness of our sin. He put his son Jesus on a tree. God takes Israel's sin in this passage and our sin so seriously that it forced his perfect son to be put onto a cross so that God's anger and wrath towards the seriousness of our sin would be adequately satisfied. God takes our sin very seriously. Do you? We equally have as much access to idols and false worship today, but I think ours are a lot more subtle. Sure, I bet you, you probably don't have a golden statue in your house, but make no mistake, this week you might be tempted to light the incense for comfort. Make no mistake, you might want to make a sacrifice to the altar of control. Make no mistake, we might be playing with dangerous things in the quiet places of our life, in the private rooms of our life, hoping no one sees like the priest did in verse 12. What what if today God's spirit and presence isn't reserved to a, a, a private room, reserved only for the highest level of priests? The calling God upped His spirit is in you. You are a church. So now we don't just have to worry about what's on the walls of Harvest Muskoka's building. What's on the walls of your heart? It's a place where the Lord resides in you. In just two chapters, in in chapter 10, in just two chapters in Ezekiel from where we're preaching, the Lord removes his spirit from the temple. What a miserable building that becomes of people playing church, powerless, waste of time, waste of resources. And perhaps if we do not take our sin seriously in our private lives as a church and in our corporate lives as a church, we might just be a church that that pushes the spirit of the Lord out, increases his anger on us, all the while playing cute Christian and using his bride to fulfill our abominable worship service to everything and anything but him. What a sobering thought. We might just excel and succeed as a church in the very thing we're supposed to kill. This instantly drives us now to humility before the Lord. 
I think the reason why there was just so much corruption in the church and false worship is because they weren't looking to the Lord. How's your gaze this morning? What are you looking to? What are you worshiping? Careful what you're putting your back to. Because one day we're going to give an account. And we're always in an active state, not just 10 to 11 on Sunday morning, but Sunday through Saturday, we're always in a worship service. What are we worshiping? Let's pray. God, we cannot do this apart from you. We cannot do this unless we, like John 15 says, we abide and we rest in you. And when our affections and our worship are on that, the bride will flourish 